Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the show. This is Quinn here. And today I have a very special interview with the Amazon seven figure seller. But before we get to the interview, I want to let you know that the sound quality coming from my side is not the best because during the recording of the show, it captured my built in microphone instead of the microphone that's hanging over my head. So just remember when you listen to me, I'm going to sound like I'm inside a barrel. So just forget about that. Listen to the interview because it is fantastic. All right, here we go. Welcome to Q&A Selling Online with answers to questions about creating an online empire, promoting products, or building a brand. Your host, private label and e-commerce entrepreneur, Quinn Amorm. Welcome, everyone. Today, we have a very special guest directly from Australia. He's the co-founder of Reliable Education. He's a seven-figure Amazon seller. And his companies have funded over 7,000 interest-free uh, loans for entrepreneurs in third world countries. And he's also have funded thousand, thousands of eye surgeries for the blind in Indonesia. Our guest today is Adam Hudson. Adam, how are you today? I'm very good. Thank you for having me on the show. Adam, it is my pleasure to have you here. And before we go into Amazon, I want to ask you about these interest-free loans and also how are you uh, funding those eye surgeries in Indonesia and I mean why Indonesia I got so many questions <laughs> well when we started our education business we wanted to do something more than just teach people how to make money we wanted the company itself to be doing good in the world so with every course that we sold we started off by uh, partnering with kiva.org where you can go and do an interest-free microloan to an entrepreneur in a third world country. So it could be a group of women in Africa that are looking to open a fruit and vegetable store. It could be a guy in Vietnam that wants to start a delivery business and needs money for a scooter or whatever. So we pitch in an interest-free microloan and then it gets repaid back over six to 12 months. Um, so we started doing that from day one and now we've done about eight and a half thousand loans, I think, in the marketplace. Um, with a repayment rate of about 98%, which is incredible. It's actually better than lending money into wow. third world, uh, first world countries, yeah. but there's, there's no interest applied. We just do it for good, and then we keep giving the money. So it's a great uh, idea because you can lend 100 bucks, and the 100 bucks comes back and you lend it again, so the money can just keep doing good. Mm -hmm. um, and then we grew into the eye surgery side of things. Uh, I was flying on a plane between Singapore, our office there, and um, Los Angeles, and uh, I watched a documentary on this incredible surgery that gets done for people who have cataract, which 4 million Indonesians are blind from cataract, and it can be cured with a 20-minute surgery. Wow. And I watched the story. There's two little girls who couldn't see their parents, had never seen the ocean, and then they went and got the surgery, and then they got their eyesight back, and I was crying, and I rang my assistant when I got off the plane. I said, we need to do this, but I want to do it, but I want to be able to take our students. I actually want to be there and experience it, not just give money. So we started off with sponsoring a village, which was um, about 3,000 people come down. They get free eye examinations and about three to 400 people end up getting surgery and then we give away a bunch of glasses. And then our involvement grew and uh, two months ago, we donated $265,000 to buy them a new mobile eye surgery clinic. So now for, for uh, years forward, I'll know that thousands of people are getting their eyesight back every year because of the... Um, 
the mobile eye surgery clinic that we funded through one of our uh, student events. So we did raffles and I gave away free coaching and um, our students just gave and contributed and we raised about 180000 from our students and then my business partner and I put in the other 100000 to get to the goal. So that's a big part of what we do. Adam, that is so incredible. So, man, it must feel so great in being there, actually going there and meeting the people. Wow. Just, well, congratulations, first of all. That's incredible. Thank you. Yeah, it's life-changing. Man, oh, man. Oh, so, uh, and these these loans, when you, when you provide these loans, uh, where's the money coming from? Is it from you and your partners, your company, or several investors? No, with every course. So every time somebody buys our, our Amazon course, yeah. we take a portion of that money and we loan it to um, through Kiva. So Kiva is an organization in San Francisco that have field partners all over the planet. So if you're in, uh, in need uh, in a third world country, you can go to a Kiva field partner and say, I want to get $1,500 or $2,000 or whatever. And Kiva will then list that as a loan that they need um, filled, it, filled. And then we as the lenders um, lend the money. And what's awesome is it's a, it's a, it actually sits in our balance sheet as an asset because we're actually lending the money and they're paying it back. So we don't actually give that money to charity. We lend it to charity, comes back, and then we're able to keep that money working for years and years and years. So sometimes alone we might have put $100 in and that $100 has been paid back five times and we've helped five people out of poverty and it just keeps going in perpetuity rather than just giving the money and it's gone. Man, oh man, talk about law of attraction. So if that uh, that must be coming back to you hopefully in uh, 10x, 100x. It really is. You know, it's interesting for the entrepreneurs listening to this. And I mean, a lot of your audience, I understand, is sort of building their companies still. And it's lovely to talk about these kinds of things, but it is hard when you're trying to just make enough money to survive. But once you get past that stage of survival and you've, you've made a bit of money and you've got some surplus, it's really rewarding. And I, I actually do believe that it's a good business move as well. Like we didn't do it for that reason, but I know that our customers and our employees and so on definitely feel better about doing business with us and working for us because we're actually doing some good things as well. We're not just making money. We're actually trying to do some good outside of making money as well. And I think that pays dividends for sure. Yeah, I know, man. So cool. There's um, a cool little story of something I did. And I, I mean, it, it felt great. And of course, it is nothing compared to the scale. But I saw this. Uh, it happened once on this thread on Facebook and I saw it. So it, I just liked it. I went to the store and, you know, I don't know if it's the same way over there, but over here, diapers at the store, they're in pallets still, like big bulky pallets of diapers. And at the bottom of the diaper boxes, I would took a bit of tape and I would attach a $20 bill to each box and I put those on the pallet with twenty dollars in the sign here, um, here this is the help of your uh, pay for your diapers, and I never met a single person. Right, it was just here, take it. It's random, but I mean that felt so good and uh, amazing. Yeah. That's amazing, and that's so kind. Uh, that's a beautiful thing. So now, Adam, uh, let's jump into Amazon and let us know kind of when did you start. And how did you get started? 
So I started in 2011. Um, I was running my own business in California at the time. I was living in Hollywood and I had an animation studio that I started and uh, ended up selling in 2015. Um, and uh, I was doing Amazon as a side hustle because I knew I wanted to sell the company, the animation business and move back to Australia. So I started in 2011 and then the business blew up. And then in 2015, I started teaching the way that I grew my Amazon business, which was quite unique compared to what's being taught out there in the marketplace of how mm -hmm. to build a sustainable Amazon business. Because that's the trick is how do you find a niche that's, uh, that's protectable and scalable and sustainable and so on. So 2011, Amazon was still, uh, I guess, I was going to say at its infancy, which uh, maybe they still are today. I don't know. It depends on where this is going. But how did you find Amazon back in 2011? It's interesting you say that. Like I remember back in 2011, a lot of people saying, ah, you've missed the Amazon boat. You know, it's too late because Amazon's now 25 years old, right? So mm -hmm. that's... So there's a lot of people back then sitting on the sidelines. Yeah, you had to be an Amazon in 2005 if you really wanted to make the money. And so people say that even to this day. You know, um, we've been teaching it since 2015 and in the three and a half years, uh, four years since we've been teaching it, our students have made half a billion dollars in sales uh, in the last three and a half years that Amazon's been around. And all of those are new sellers. All of those started in the last three and a half years. Uh, it's... And that's a tracked number through software that we use. It's actually from their seller accounts, not some pull it out of the, the yeah. sky number. So there's opportunity still in Amazon now as there was in 2011. What people forget is in 2011, Amazon was a lot smaller company, had a lot less customers than what they do today. So although there's more sellers today, there's a hell of a lot more market too. The company's more than doubled since then. Yeah, absolutely. You know, up until probably 2014, I had never bought anything on Amazon. Yeah. So, uh, and just, and like me, many other people that are even not sellers uh, probably still have not purchased on Amazon, right? I was old school eBay since 1997. I started selling on eBay. And maybe because I was there for so long, I, I, th I thought the same thing. Uh, I may have missed Amazon and I waited until 2015 to move all my eBay stuff over to Amazon. And yeah, and unfortunately that eBay boat, that one I think has sailed and been long gone. So how can somebody start today, Adam? And is it still possible today? There's over 3 million sellers right now, I believe in Amazon. Yeah, I don't know the exact number. I do. I will share one number with your sellers that I think is really critical, which is last year in 2018, there were 1.2 million seller accounts open globally for, on Amazon. Of those, 98% of them closed mm -hmm. before listing a single product. So um, if, if you work that out, which is an, which is an interesting number, it's 2% of 1.2 million means that last year net there were 24,000 new sellers globally. Mm. Now, I think the US makes up about 30 or 40% of the global uh, market. So you could probably say 6,000 of them uh, to 8,000 of them. So, so let's say 8 to 10,000 to be conservative. Mm -hmm. 8 to 10,000 new active sellers last year on Amazon. So that gives you a bit better sort of scope of what the real growth is in terms of um, of success and then when you look at Amazon's funnel 
only a very small percentage relatively make over a hundred thousand dollars a year or you know yes. uh, in profit you know so um it's a brutal funnel it's a brutal business and it's absolutely very very competitive the fastest growing category on amazon is chinese sellers of sellers so chinese sellers now represent 40 percent of the top sellers in amazon globally and they are absolutely going after the american market and other markets around the world and unlike in 2011 where they sucked now they don't suck they actually have great photos and they, yeah. they've, they, they've learned how to copy brands but there is still opportunity for people and the opportunity lies in your ability to outthink and out innovate and out protect the chinese that's your biggest threat of the chinese sellers and um I, I really believe the chinese sellers because you've got one and a half billion chinese people um wanting to a large percentage of them wanting to raise their well-being and livelihood yeah. and america is the mecca of uh capitalism and amazon is the mecca of the mecca so yeah. you need to be good you need to be innovative you really need to know what you're doing yeah i believe so too and do you feel sometimes that Amazon may kind of seem a little bit biased towards uh, Chinese sellers? Oh, no, they're definitely not biased towards no. Chinese sellers, in my opinion. Um, Amazon are agnostic, right? They're just a platform, a marketplace. They're, um, in my opinion, fairly soulless. They don't really care too much about people. Um, they will cut off a $50 million account like that if they believe there's fraud or anything yeah. sketchy in any way they don't care they care about one thing which is the customer they don't care about sellers um, in my experience and I don't think they favor one seller over another um, I think it's just a very cutthroat brutal environment where you have to be objective and creative and cunning and if you're not you won't succeed gotcha I actually uh, I agree with that hundred percent because I, I often tell people that on Amazon, as a seller, at least as a buyer, it's different. But as a seller, you are guilty until proven uh, until proven otherwise. Uh, because uh, they have, for example, they have blocked several of my listings for things that uh, don't exist. For example, a copyright infringement, or when, or you know, something that I own the copyright and the trademark, but for some algorithm trigger that I may be infringing it and they just take the listing down until you prove that you own it. So okay. that, yeah. And that since you're a hundred percent right. And so how can uh, new sellers that come on and, and, and want to stay on the platform, how do they become part of those 2% and keep stay on the platform? So first of all, like I've been pretty, harsh on Amazon so far in this interview um, let's not forget that it's not for nothing you know Amazon now account for 53% of all online sales in America mm -hmm. so add up every other website in America Walmart eBay you know everything together and the millions of other sites all of them combined sell less than Amazon on their own so you are accessing the biggest marketplace that's ever been in existence in the history of humans um, so you have this amazing marketplace and you can access it from anywhere in the world. So there is huge upside and there are huge reasons to solve the challenges that Amazon currently presents. 
But the number one, these are the things that I teach anyway. So the first thing, the, mo the, the reason most people fail in my opinion is they expect it to be easier than it is. And that's either because their friend told them it's so cool and it's so great and it's mm -hmm. amazing or they bought a course where they said, it's easy, you only need $5,000 or $2,000, you only need $1,000 to start and it'll be quick. And those people mess people up because they set people up for failure. You can't start a private label Amazon business, in my opinion, for less than five grand and preferably 10 to ideally 15. That's really what I believe. So you have real money for inventory, real money mm -hmm. for photos, real money for samples. It's not free, it's a real business. But most people, you know, there's the course promoters sell it as a get rich quick and easy and just give me a thousand bucks for my course and you're going to be fine. So expectation is the number one reason I think people fail because it's really hard. And if they don't expect it to be really hard, they then quit as soon as it is. That's number one. And then we can talk about tactics after that if you'd like. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. That is number one. And I often tell people that uh, Amazon is not, is not the easiest business. But it, I mean, it, on a scalable point, it's still very possible. It's easier than starting a, a store, a physical store, where you have to buy a building and, and put your stock in and then just hope that people are coming. But like you said, there's a lot of people out there that say, with two grand, you can start a business. Look at me, I started. I have this Lamborghini right now. So you can, you know pay me a thousand bucks for the course and use the other thousand for your inventory and you're set. And, and like you said, that's not true. It doesn't happen with $2,000. And if you try, which it is still possible, but it's not going to be easy and, and you're not going to be making anything uh, decent. You can't even compete now with PPC. Just a launch can cost you over a thousand bucks, 2000 bucks, depending on how big you're going to go. So absolutely, and you at uh, Reliable Education, you, that's what you do is you train people the right way with the right tools on how to start on Amazon. And is this on Amazon in North America or Australia as well? Look, we anywhere, right? Our most successful student does about $20 million a year and 85% of that comes from Europe. So mm -hmm. he hardly trades in America. Um, so anywhere in the world, the principles apply anywhere. And when we say we teach people the right way, it, it's really just our way. I, I'm sure there's other ways that are working really well for people as well. We, we just teach it based on our own experience and observations of the market. And then we'll give you the evidence, you know, to support why we think it's the right way. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like to give you an example of that, um, you know, I, t I gave you that statistic of 98% of people who open Amazon seller accounts close them before they list a single product. So only 2% actually even get in the game, let alone making money. Now, here at Reliable Education, we have 8,000 students as I'm talking to you today. Um, now, not all of them are live. Probably half of them aren't yet because they bought the course in the last few months or a year or whatever. It takes mm -hmm. time for most people. But let's say they were all live. Those students have done about half a billion dollars in sales. That's $500 million. Let's assume they were all live. That means on average, it's $62,500 per student in revenue. Now compare that to the marketplace average of only 2% even going live, let alone making dollars. Yeah. So that's a stunning departure from the marketplace reality. 
And that's A, because of expectation, which we talked about, and B, because of the strategies we teach. Now, the people who are sitting there going, so what exactly should I be doing? Here's the thing, right? The most important thing on Amazon is your product selection. That's it, right? All the hard work of how to find a customer and all the hard work of how to send the customer a product, all that's done by Amazon. Our job is to look at a, a niche and go, I can see an opportunity to put a better product in some way into that marketplace at a price that people will pay mm -hmm. at a price that still makes me a profit. That's our job, our only job. So that starts with visual differentiation because Amazon is like a dating site. People put in, you know, the product, let's say a dog bed. And the first thing we do is we look at the photos, just like when we're going on a dating site. And if the photo is amazing, that's going to catch our eyes. So there's two ways to make a photo amazing. It's one, get a great photographer, but B, actually have a really beautiful product that you can see by looking at it, the differentiation. It's no good having a product that's the same, but yours is better because the battery lasts longer. Because nobody can see that. You yeah. don't even read about that. So you need it to be a visually differentiated product. And the way to test it is really simple. Print off the top 20 selling items in that category on Amazon. Just print off the hero image of them, put them on a wall. Make them all, you know, eight and a half by 11 size, stick them on the wall. Now put your hero shot up in the middle of it and then get your friends to come around and say, which of those dog beds do you, do you think catches your attention? Yeah. And if your dog bed is not getting picked a lot of the time based on the photo, you, you're done. You're out. Yeah. You've lost. And then what you do after that is you write the price that you need that they're selling for and the price you're going to need to sell for underneath and then have a look at how your price compares and think about the fact that you're going to be starting on day one with less reviews than every other dog bed on there. So are they going to pay that price? So the truth is you might not make money the first time or two through your inventory because you're spending on an ads just to establish the listing. Yeah. You might go through a thousand, two thousand dog beds before you then you can wind down your advertising, start buying those dog beds at the price that you need to buy it to make a margin. So people sort of turn up on day one with these overpriced products that aren't really visually differentiated with no reviews and then go, Amazon doesn't work. And I'm like, dude, you just you're going to the Mecca. What mm -hmm. makes you think you can go to the main street of the busiest shopping bed uh, shopping mall in the world for dog beds and take business from someone who's been there for years with lots of reviews? You have to earn your way there over some time. The reward is once you get there and you stay there, your only job is to keep in inventory. And if you keep in inventory, then you've got a nice little cash machine that will carry you through for years. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so, Adam, do you feel that, for example, talking about the main image, we all know how important it is and uh, the fact that it would take over 90% of the white space so the thumbnail looks a little bit bigger. But after the client lands on your listing, is looking at it, do you find that having one of the images being a terrible quality, does that ruin all the other, the other eight? Not necessarily, but there's no reason to have that one crappy image in there, right? Just pull it out. I personally believe that 70% of the buying decision, if I was to guess, I don't have data, it's not a hard yeah. number, but if I was to just throw a number out there, 70% of the buying decision is made on two factors, the photos and the price. That's mm -hmm. it. And then thirdly, if there's a lot, lot of crap reviews, that's going to kill you. But if you're a four-star or up yeah. review, I think customers trust listings that have a few negative reviews. There's always going to be some person who ordered the wrong one or it broke in the mail or something. That's with every listing that's anything. But I reckon 70% of it is the price and the photos. If the photos and the price are good, 
and they like what they're seeing, that's where the decision's made. You know, you can change headlines and you've got to have the keywords in the headline, you've got to have the keywords in the copy, but if the commercial, everybody can hire somebody to write keywords, everybody can figure that out. The, the entrepreneurial skill is in developing a product that people look at and go, I really like that product. So how do you find those products? Like, for example, if you are looking at selling like, you know, stuffed toy sloths. It's about a 20 grand a month business on page one right now. How do you find one that's going to break through? Well, you go to Pinterest and you type in cute toy sloths or, and you'll find all these toy sloths all over the world that are not necessarily on Amazon, but they're on Pinterest or they're on Google images. And so you use that one that you like and you modify it slightly and you get it made and then you put a design patent on it, which costs you about 250 bucks and then nobody can copy it. You've got a design patent on it, and so nobody can copy that exact sloth. So if you've got a cute sloth and you've got a design patent on it, you're good to go. So you know these are the types of things that we teach our students to do. Very commercial approach to selling on Amazon that's based on objectivity and commerciality. So uh, how do you plan your, your stores, for example? Uh, do, you, do you prefer the everything store where you just go after some products with high demand and you just put everything into the same store or you like a, a brand where everything is related in the same category uh which one do you prefer the latter yeah i i like the idea of building a brand because in life there is if you want to become a successful entrepreneur you need to be paid three times right so the first one is for your time so it's not a business if it's not paying you a salary for your time right so you have to build it to the point where your time is being paid for at market rates. The second way to be paid for is through profit. So a, a real business pays you for your time and at the end of the year, at the end of the quarter, you get a dividend, which is your reward for risk, right? Because uh -huh. you've foregone a job and you're out there on your own. And the third is equity, right? That is the piece that your business is worth. So if you get your Amazon business making 200 grand a year, profit and you can show tax returns for a couple of years, that business is conservatively worth double the earnings. So if it's making 100 grand, it's gonna be worth 200 plus your inventory. If it's making 200, it's worth 400. So that's the third way to get paid. I believe that a consolidated brand is definitely more attractive in the event of a sale because you can take that brand into other marketplaces, you could take it into a Shopify store as a consolidated set of products, and you can show upside for a incoming buyer and it, and it creates brand loyalty. Um, when people are associated with a brand that's, you know, quality yoga products or quality home and kitchen products or whatever. Nice. I, I agree with that as well. So uh, just so you know, last month, Amazon, you know, the Amazon advertising where they send a, an agent to contact you and they will run your uh, sponsored ads for you. So that happened last month and they have some stats that I didn't have. And one of them was how uh, the Amazon Pixel, how they can retarget uh, people that visit our listings and jumped out without buying. And what I didn't know was they can retarget people that have visited our competitors' listings and have not bought. So I, I found that very interesting, and I decided to accept their uh, their offer. So they're as of two days ago, they started managing the ads for for one of the brands and it, it is a brand like you said and one of the facts they told me which i was so amazed is 
uh, that brand has a 42% customer retention, meaning 42% of the customers are return customers. Yep. And uh, I think this is one of the Amazon factors. Like you said, it's the Mecca because I have uh, for many years uh, businesses, e-commerce businesses outside of Amazon. There is no such thing as a 42% return rate of customers that I have ever seen. So this may be related to the fact that people trust Amazon and most people don't even know they're buying from a third-party seller. Do you think that? I think a lot of people are not sure of that, a lot mm -hmm. of unsophisticated people. I think loyalty like that depends a little on the category as well. So, you know, we have students who sell eco-friendly products and they mm -hmm. tend to get a lot of repeat business because people who buy eco-friendly products yeah. are brand loyal. Whereas if you sell sort of, you know, random products like electronics, nobody really cares. It's a real price buy. So yeah. it really depends on where you're selling. Exactly. Exactly that. So that, that is the case there. So it's, it's not eco-friendly, but it's pretty close to that. So that's where it's coming from. So Adam, right now for Reliable Education, how do you grow that business? How do you get more and more people to know about you? I guess podcasting is one of them. Besides that, how do you know? How do you grow it? On the education business, I um, we have a bunch of things, but our number one is just through digital marketing, through Facebook, YouTube, Instagram marketing. That's the most scalable way. Um, I also, in uh, the last year and a half, two years, have been invited to speak on stage with some fairly well-known people. So I've done national speaking tours with Gary Vaynerchuk, Anthony Robbins, um, Grant Cardone. Um, so some of the biggest speakers in the world right now, um, I'm on their stages. Their agents uh, have contacted me and asked me to share the stage. So I get up and speak. But that still only represents, despite tens of thousands of people going through those events mm -hmm. relative to our digital business it's still only a small part um, oh. so it, live live events is not as big a thing for us we, we scale through digital means nice so do you out of the platforms that you said um facebook and youtube which one do you think is uh or like kind of is working better for you is youtube uh, hard to work with Look, we, we spend millions each year on both um, and we have agents agencies that run both of them for us. So we hire some of the best Facebook and YouTube agencies in the world. Um, I think our CP cost per lead um, is probably slightly better on YouTube, but you've really got to be... Um, people's attention spans now are like hmm. this. So you have to be consistently producing new high-quality content if you want to compete in this market, it's a really um, content hungry business now. It's not like, you know, you can just stick up a, a simple ad on Facebook and it's going to keep working for more than two weeks. You know, mm -hmm. people have seen it after that. There's, um, you know, uh, fatigue and you need to keep your creative, keep your stuff new, fresh, uh, pointed. It's a real art. Yeah. So, when it comes to uh, selling on Amazon in Australia, that's something that I, I do not know about. If I wanted to uh, get out of North America and send products to FBA in Australia, what are certain things that uh, I should look for or I should know before even sending the product over? 
Well, the first thing is Australia is only 25 million people, so less than California. So it's a very small market. Mm -hmm. That's the first thing. I would probably go to Europe before Australia, but the competition in Australia is very low right now. Like there's there's hardly any competition for things. So, you know, we've got uh, one of our brands up in Australia and it was doing all right. It's doing, I don't know, one or two grand a week in sales. Um, relative to America, it's nothing. But in Australia, it's not bad. Um, and also just keep an eye on the Australian um, uh, language because we're quite different in the way that we speak and describe things. So get out a urban dictionary and look up like for example we don't call it a cooler we call it an esky you know yeah. we have certain words for things that are quite different to americans um you know so just make sure that you're using the right keywords um but europe would be an interesting market for you as well most people don't realize that uh europe just germany and the uk together are pretty much the same size as amazon america mm-hmm. and both of them you can access from one fulfillment center but we have two fulfillment centers in australia now with amazon Absolutely. I actually didn't know it was only 25 million. Seems like Australia is huge. At least looking it's a at big the- place, but it's 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 half the size of Canada, right? So what's Canada? 50 million, I think. No, I believe we're only at 30, 30 something million. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. and yeah, it's it's not. I mean, compared to the U.S., still selling in Canada is nothing, right? It's it's probably around five. Five to seven percent of the sales come from Amazon Canada compared to the US. And, and another thing is Amazon Canada has high, I mean, super high, uh, storage, storage fees, right? Where yeah. in the US, we're talking about, um, four or five dollars per, um, what, what's the measurement? Is it metric, um, cubic? Cubic uh, cubic feet, right? Right. And in Canada, uh, it could go up to eight hundred instead of four dollars. It could be eight hundred. So, if you have overstock in Canada, it could be very dangerous. It could, uh, and then pick and pack fees are very high. In the U.S., you can have pick and pack fees of three dollars. In Canada, we're talking about six, right? And I guess same thing in Australia. They're pretty high as well, right? Yeah, I'm. I'm not sure. I don't run it day to day. So yeah. Oh. Cool. So Adam, um, one more thing when it comes to Australia, uh, do all tools that we use in, in North America, let's say the the uh, Jungle Scouts, Helium tens, wire launches, all of those work with the Australian market as well? Yeah. Um, I'm just your mic is just undulating a bit this side. I'm not sure whether you're getting that. It's just going from quiet to loud. Um, I'm not sure if you're seeing that. Yeah. Oh no, I I didn't notice that. I guess I'll have okay. to just yeah. I just wanted to share it in case. Cool. Um, uh, we use a tool called Zon Guru, and I believe Zon Guru is the first and only tool that can actually estimate sales on the Australian marketplace. So I believe I'm not sure. Don't quote me on it, but we use Zon Guru um, for most of the tasks that you've described the helium 10 and uh jungle scout will do but they do it all in one tool for less money um mm-hmm. so uh Zonger is really what we use um but uh yeah many of many of the things are the same Zonger does email automation sales estimation launch budgeting um uh all that stuff uh easily plugs into the australian marketplace 
And what are some of the biggest mistakes you see with new or existing sellers? Uh, what are some of the biggest mistakes you see them do? Uh, look, I think the biggest one is objectivity, you know. Well, yeah, objectivity. So they, they get too emotionally involved in their idea and they don't look at it through a very harsh commercial lens. Like what I was talking about, is my product truly visually differentiated? Are my photos truly amazing? Is the price I'm asking going to get me transactions with very few reviews when I enter the marketplace? They play too short term. They're trying to come in, make money from day one. If it's not working in a week, if it's not profitable in a month, they're like, Amazon doesn't work. Amazon is much, much different. You have to have a different view. You have to be, I'm starting in the outer suburbs and I'm going to try and work my way into Main Street, which is page one. And that's going to take some time and some effort and a great product. And so it might take you two, three or four rotations of inventory before you're organically ranking there. And most people are just not prepared to do that. They just want everything now. They're underfunded. So they're trying to start off an Amazon business with a thousand or two thousand dollars and make fifty grand a year out of it. It's just not going to happen, right? Yeah. Um, that's the second thing. And third, they just get products that are crap. They don't really create a product that adds value to the marketplace. Just a copy of somebody else's product that's doing well. They didn't really innovate. They didn't really add value, and they just didn't present the listing well and be patient enough. The last thing is they didn't buy it at a cheap enough price to be able to sell it at a price that's commercial on Amazon. So they're paying sometimes, you know, $15 for an item that their competitors are selling for 20 retail. And you're like, dude, you can't do that. You've got to be paying six if you're going to be selling at that and make a margin. So they weren't disciplined in the buying side. So they end up paying too much and just saying, well, it's my product. Customers will pay more for it. No, they won't. Not unless it's substantially better. And people go, well, it's heavier. It's, you know, it's like, yeah, no, it's got to be like an absolute. People look at it and go, You're, that one there is so cool. I love the way it looks because of that. If you're not getting that feedback, objectively, blind tested, you're not in the game. Yeah, that's one of the things I noticed too is uh, some of the products that you know have to be sourced by, for example, let's say the $15 range. The product was sourced at 15 and there's somebody on Amazon selling it for 20 so you know that they cannot be making any money either. It's it's a launch and they're in launch stages and they don't care about losing a bit. But sometimes there are sellers that don't know how much money they're making or not making, right? And they come up they come up with, oh, I'm having margins of you know sixty percent. Uh you and you you know it's it's kinda not true when you're selling some cheap items. Somebody told me that once they had a eight dollars and what was it eight dollars 88 cents they were selling something and they told me they had 60 percent margins well there is no such thing right even if you're getting the product for free and your pick and pack and all of that is going to eat 50 percent of your eight dollars there's 100 percent. that's why we say minimum that we try to target is 25 dollar retail yeah up to 100 that's sort of the price range we like to sell in because there's actual reasonable gross dollar margin there that if you get into trouble, like if you're working on a 30% margin, for example, with a $100 product, you've got $30 that you can burn on PPC to clear it out if you need to. Yeah. Um, whereas if you're selling a $10 item, you've got $3. You know, yeah. $3 PPC doesn't go anywhere near as far as 30 Simple math, right? So yeah. these are the reasons that we say to people, sell slightly higher ticket stuff, get out of that melee of mess with literally millions of Chinese 
university students trying to make a living out of selling five and ten dollar items on Amazon in America. Absolutely. You know, uh, there there was a person that I was helping out with that uh, actually went out and launched a um, uh, earbuds, Bluetooth earbuds, and it was the selling at the fifteen dollar range, right? And these were products that the PPC click for their main keywords was about five, uh, five bucks per click, right? So how can somebody launch a product that's going to cost them uh, or I mean sell for 15 that they're sourcing for five and has $5 clicks? You do not go there. <laughs> Dude, a lot of people just don't know what the hell they're doing. They just, they're not numbers people. And uh, you've got to be a numbers person if you're in business. If you, if you don't know your numbers, you're just, it's the old saying, if you don't know who's on the menu, when you sit down to have dinner, it's you. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> yeah, I like that one. So, Adam, uh, how do people find uh, Reliable Education and how do they find you if they want to contact you and hear more from you? There's two ways. The best is to go to our website, which is reliable.education. That's it. There's no .com. Mm -hmm. It's not .edu. It's just reliable.education. Or Instagram is probably even better. Um, we'll both do both. There's a free mini course on our website there that you can do, and there's four, four or five videos we give away for free. Um, and then on Instagram is Adam Hudson Official with underscores between each word, and there's also links to my free mini course there as well. And I do uh, free coaching most days. Um, and uh, people seem to enjoy that. So either place is fine, and I'm um, happy to help. Perfect. So, Adam, I uh, wrote them down here. I got your Facebook. I got Reliable.Education, Adam Hudson Official at uh, Instagram. I'll add these to the show notes just so uh, it's easier for the people that are driving right now so when they pull over, they can click on it and go directly there. Perfect. Thank you for having me. Adam, it was a pleasure. Thank you very much. And again, congratulations for all the people that you're helping out there. It's uh, I'm actually going to go check that that site out and see if there's something I can do as well because that sounds so fascinating. So uh, thank you and congratulations. Thank you.